Scottish football is the best ball. So what's English football? The worst ball. Welcome to episode 6 of Blethered. I'm Sean McDonald and this episode is the first of a two-parter with writer and director Joe Hewlett. Joe's been involved in multiple comedy projects, uh, but most notably Scott Squad that he writes and creates for the BBC with the comedy unit. In the first part, this is us just talking about whatever sprung to mind at the time, to be honest. Interspersed with me asking a few questions about how Joe got into TV and comedy. The conversation did kind of just flow. It goes on for a while. I found it funny. So I've decided to just keep it all in. I didn't cut it out because it was just a natural and genuine conversation that just happens to have been recorded. I'll let you hear it for yourself, but Joe speaks about going for lunch in London with David Hasselhoff, uh, Kevin Spacey firing into all his pals except him, uh, and how Rolf Harris ignored his attempts at making small talk in a lift to the Odeon. The second part was a bit more focused on uh, his work, working with the BBC in the comedy unit, how he got into the industry, how other people can get into it, you know, how things are made, um, and it was quite an interesting insight. So that's for the second part, which will be out a few days after this. Um, so I hope you enjoy this one to begin with. Before getting started, continuing on with the theme of highlighting good causes, uh, a pal of mine, a real Chris Davis enthusiast, works closely with a food bank in Dumbarton. They run from 10 to 4, Monday to Friday, and they're the only one in their area. They cook a free lunch from scratch on a Wednesday and Thursday from 12 to 2. Nando's happily provide them with chicken to cook with on the Thursday. Fair play Nando's. They also work very closely with people as an early intervention point for people living with an addiction. They fed 1,780 people in the year 2018, last year, and 625 of them, unfortunately, were kids, and they fed 100 people on Christmas Day. The group is called Food for Thought, and they operate out of St Augustine's Community Hall in Dumbarton. So if that's in your local area, you want to go and help to contribute or to find some way that you can you can give them a hand, then I would suggest getting in touch with them. It's depressing as fuck that this fucking shit exists in the year 2019, but on the flip side, it is really encouraging that there's fantastic people like them that, um, that are making that happen and that are, that are helping people out in the local community. So I would encourage you to get involved if that's, any, uh, if that's near you. And now time for the podcast. So I hope you enjoy it. Cheers. Joe, thanks for joining. The um, you're taking a drink there, just as sorry, a, yeah. Thanks just, for having me. Just as a welcome. Um, before we get started, since you've come on, those compromising pictures I have of you, consider them burned. Oh, They'll never excellent. see the light of day. Um, if you don't mind, just give I don't them. actually have any compromising. Oh, do you ever think that you're like, have I sent something in the past that? Aye, uh, I don't some, think I have. Like somebody texts you just saying, Joe. And that's it. Like straight yeah. away, you just start thinking of everything you could have possibly done. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I've certainly not got any photos that have my 
penis and my face in the same photo. <laughs> you have, they exist, but just not exclusively with a both. Separately, if you get both, yeah, you need both, and you can't. Aye, <laughs> separate places. Um, if you don't mind, just a, a wee intro to the listeners of who you are. Yeah, I'm Joe, uh, and I created Scott Squad, and I write that, and I did a voiceover on it, and I'm just general TV writer and producer and I recently produced The State of It from BBC Scotland with Robert Florence and that's going to be a series uh, at some point this year I mean that's all I know about that at the moment they announced that prematurely but it's definitely happening good what's my role going to be? <laughs> we'll see <laughs> can you be a woman? we need Aye, I'll be not enough women on TV I dressed up as a woman at Halloween when I was like 14 and my aunt saw a picture of it and said... She cancelled you? No, she <laughs> she looked at it and was like, where was I going that night? So I was a convincing woman. I was only 14, though. Um, <laughs> I want to kind of just... I actually genuinely do want to know this, because mm-hmm. how, how did you first get into television? Was it through the writer's room thing, or was it before that? I I, I was doing stand-up for about a year. I'd like made a decision that I wanted to work in comedy and, and TV, um, Basically, I knew I wanted to make sitcoms. It was like, how do I do that? So I started writing. I started. I did my own podcast, sketches and stuff. And then there was a, just as I was graduating, there was a Channel Four on this production trainee scheme. So there's, I think my year they had like twelve placements with production companies, and they're paid roles. Uh, and I got on that, and they matched me up with the comedy unit. So I had a year's work at the comedy unit, working on stuff, and that's where I came up with Scott Squad. Is that what brought you up to Scotland? Or? Yep. Although my mum, so my mum's my mum's from Greenock. Right. All my family are up here. I've spent so much time in my childhood in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Uh, Enjoying my family Scottish, so that was how I came up here. But it, knowing that I knew people up here and I and, and I knew Scotland, it, do you know what I mean? It didn't it didn't feel like I was coming to a completely new Aye. city. Aye. Do you? I saw you. T- were, you were you tweeting about that the other day? Mm. That that is it. The same program that's doing another paid. Is yeah. It, it, it's the, the same people that run it they're called Think Bigger they do training they're doing it with they're doing a version it's not with Channel 4 but it's it effectively looks like the same thing mm-hmm. so it's it's like a 12 I think this one might be 6 months but it's a long you know, that's a long time in TV to have a paid contract mm-hmm. and they're with big production companies and that's loads of people always go how do I write stuff and actually being on the inside and knowing how TV works will really boost your chances yeah. of being a good writer or you know a lot of presenters get into it that way by working on TV first. Right. Is it? Was this one a diversity? What I sound so ignorant saying it that way. Is it like for? Yeah. Well, they, they talk about diversity, but I think these things they they want to encourage people from certain groups. But mm-hmm. it's not strictly. Right, that's okay. not legally enforceable. And in my experience, it's not. Do you know what I mean? You do a thing with twelve people; they're not all. Yeah. Yeah. Black or disabled or whatever, but uh-huh. they you know they encourage and they're looking for diversity. Um, yeah, because Channel, it's funny, because Channel 4 are quite big on that, but then I think they did a, when they like surveyed their programmes recently, and they were like one of the worst for on-screen representation. Really? And so it's almost this PR type thing, or it doesn't translate into programmes. It's really interesting. That's funny. Because there's another thing they did, it was something like, the, the, some director's union did a survey, and it was like one out of, one hour out of 500 hours of scripted content was was made by like a non-white man no. yeah. I was going to say like in terms of representation do you think they've just went oh fuck it make the undateables that'll fill up like a quota that's like, a joke by the way no no but there, I think there's some truth in 
do you know what when you do the channel four thing you've got to critique one of their programs and i think that was one of the things i said as well was it's good like they did the paralympics and that was great they had really good coverage of the paralympics but what you've got to be careful with is you don't make you don't like ghettoize programs and you go oh yeah like the undated boys is a good mm-hmm. show but you don't just go that's us done everything like you my view you should be casting people colorblind or I worked on something before and, and they were casting and they were looking for a male character and I suggested a female and they went, oh, I never saw that character as a female and there's nothing about that character that suggested it had to be a man but just as the default they thought of it as yeah, a man. It's got to be a yeah. And I, I think you should just, people should people need to really be open to that and not think that there are defaults. It's, fun, it's a funny topic to talk about because I'm now, I'm like worried that I'm saying the wrong thing but basically my approach to casting is like you should really have a flexible attitude to stuff, and you shouldn't you shouldn't think so rigidly. You know, like I said, does a character have mm-hmm. to be a man? Woman can do it. Were you involved in any cast? I know it was a pilot, but mm-hmm. any casting for state of it? Because I noticed me yep. and Paul Black spoke about it. Yeah, that it's quite <clears throat> noticeably diverse in terms of gender, at least. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I produced it, so uh, blowing my own trumpet. But that yeah, that's very heavily oh, my okay. influence. I'm not saying that's just me. Robert Florence is really big on list on like seeking out new talent. So mm-hmm. the, the comedy unit um, when they're making this, and it's something the BBC wanted as well. I think in the end there are more men in it, but the women that are in it have more screen time. Rachel and Susan, yeah. they're in loads of it. How did they pronounce her surname? Susan Riddle. Right, okay. Will you say Riddell. I thought that because there was a guy in my school who had that surname. That's such a boring comment. What did I just he say? Riddle. I said I said Riddell and. Paul said Riddle and it's honestly I've thought about it now and again since that I think it's Riddle I'm pretty sure she says Riddle Hmm. so yeah so they're in it Uh, Rachel's they're both really funny Susan's written um, some stuff in the new series of Scott Squad really like some really funny scenes she's written because that was another thing just because of like the natural how we end up writing Scott Squad by default the team the as it's evolved over time, it is really male dominated, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Well, we need to, we should have stories written by women, and something we should cons- consciously be trying to do." And we we worked with the writers' room to get people in, but uh, Susan specifically was someone I really wanted to work on the show. She's doing other stuff with the comedy unit at the moment, so it's really good to get her input in this new series of Scott Squad. She's really really funny. You've got speaking of women in Scott Squad, mm-hmm. you've got Lorraine Kelly. Yep. That's uh, going to kind of lead me on to the second thing I want to ask you about. <laughs> right. What's Lorraine Kelly's role in, in this series of Scott Squad? How much are you allowed to divulge about that? She's playing herself. And you have to... I can't I can't really say what she's doing. But I say, use your imagination. She's playing herself. She's a criminal in some way. <laughs> so you should just think about what the real Lorraine Kelly does and who she's on TV with. She, ups, <laughs> she upsets a prominent... She, does she target a prominent male? Maybe. What do you, how would you even call that guy? People will just have to watch the show and find out, won't they? Yeah, there'll be loads of... I mean, specifically her story, there'll be loads of publicity around it. She mm-hmm. was really good. That basically came about... She, like, independently was just going on about how much she loved the show. And she followed me on Twitter. So I just messaged her. I was like, if we do another one, do you want to do it? She was like, yeah. She was telling me, I think it's maybe two of her daughters she's got two daughters I think mm-hmm. she, at least she's definitely got one daughter who yeah. loves the show and she said we watch it together and her daughter lives abroad or something she was like she manages right, yeah. to get it over there I was like she's been really nice and really emphatic about liking it 
and that's really surreal, isn't it? Because she's like, yeah, she's not just some random celebrity. She's, no, she's, she's just like a national Kelly. treasure. She is Lydian Kelly. She came Scotland's on the hottest princess. day. She filmed on the hottest day of the year. I was so delirious. I'm like sweating, and we're in the heat, and then like having a conversation with Lorraine Kelly about Love Island, which was on at that time. <laughs> and she interviews all the people that come off it, and she was just telling us what she thought of everyone. She's like, I don't even watch it. I've just got to interview everyone on it. She's like, she's really funny. She's really like blunt. Open. Has there been any other famous people or sort of well-known fans or people that have got in touch wanting to do any cameos? Probably. I can't think now. We've done so many series, um, and we've had loads of people. Like, I really want Andy Murray to do it, but he's been so busy until now. Do you think is that feasible to get him on? I don't know. I know the comedy unit have worked with Judy Murray on something before. I can't even think. What Ideally, it'd be really good to. Have, I think she's. She might have done like they might have done something for children in need. I think uh, she's been in only an excuse. I was going to say that I thought only an excuse, but it would it's I it would be amazing. And I I know that he's a fan of comedy. I don't know if he's a fan of Scott Squad, mm. but I think it I think it could happen if like the timing worked out. He seems like because another one was um and it I think it didn't work out for a scheduling thing was Chris Hoy. That'd be good. That'd be really cool. Because right. I wanted to have him like getting pulled over for I don't know speed, stolen bike or something. Um, <clears throat> fuck, my mind's been completely stolen. Bike. Do you know who Lewis Capaldi started following me on Twitter? He's he's fucking up. Here. I just know he's funny, but he's one of those people that's suddenly like really blown up. But he's funny. His Twitter's funny. Right. So him maybe. Fuck oh, her. We have Michelle McManus. She was really good. I don't remember. I've seen them all. I'm sure she she was in a scene with. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, it makes me laugh. I didn't write this one. <laughs> um, Grado pulls her over and she's clearly in the wrong for a car accident uh, but yeah. he's completely siding with her because he's a massive fan <laughs> so yeah we had her um, someone told me uh, Peter Mullen was a fan that'd be pretty cool that'd be it? cool yeah. he's Scottish TV film royalty is there anything else over? Uh, no do you want to say hello since you're, you're, in, you're technically in this podcast now, so you might as well say hello I'm joking, oh, sorry. It's right. actually it's no right. problem whatsoever. I'll have a sugar-free uh, iron brew, please. I'll have uh, one as well, please. Thanks a lot. When you come back, you need to sing or tell a joke or something. You've got five minutes to practice, that's right? Really, that's really mean. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad. I totally shit myself. Well, I've just advertised sugar-free iron brew. Every it's time I order that, I get slagged off. But I, I like it. It tastes good. I, I like it. But since the new stuff changed... Or since this half bright, half sugar shit came into, that's me just done myself a, yeah. a possible sponsorship <laughs> in it. But I don't care. But I'd rather speak the truth. Um, the I'm extra is sh- nicer than the I, than the I, real I, one. I just don't get it. Do you know it's easier for me to buy the original stuff in Barcelona? Is Obviously, can I get it here? But yeah, yeah. there's loads of it over there because there's, there's a limited amount of people buying it. Well, I was just because I, I was just on holiday and I was just. I, I'm not really into fizzy drinks, but I was just drinking Coke and Sprite because mm. it's fully. They don't in Asia. They don't seem to have come on a like public health. It. I just don't understand policy. why they've changed it. Do you know there's a conspiracy that a conspiracy theory that it was Coca Cola that lobbied for the sugar change because they could afford not to change it right. and they felt it would turn people off drinks and they would then turn to Coca Cola. I believe that. I buy into that yeah, because yeah, yeah. right with the government saying uh, we're um, we're concerned about your health. I don't really think the government gives a shit about anybody's health, really. There'll be people who'll come in and say, yes, they do, because blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm telling you, you're wrong. 
I think people should be given the option like there should be they should have Iron Brew as they've got it now but there should be like Iron Brew Classic and you, if you want if you want to make the decision to fuck up your teeth or whatever and you want to pay like 10p extra you should be allowed to do exactly. that exactly give would, people options I, I honestly think I would pay a pound <clears throat> I don't drink it that much that paying a pound would would be like way out of the question um, also yeah well maybe we should start a campaign <laughs> I've tried, man. I keep tweeting them and asking them. They just keep telling me to piss off. Um, Dave, Dave must have thought about that, surely. I know. I just don't get it. I went on a tour of the Iron Brew factory. You know, there's this thing. It's called Doors Open Day, I think. I really do that. Every, aye. And I, I went to the Iron Brew factory, and they're giving you know all their discontinued stuff. They were just giving it for free. So there was, is it Fire Iron Brew? Fire. Did this? What? So they still make it? I don't know where they had it. it was, this was like four years ago, but they gave us. Well, they used to be. Actually, aye. it was about six years ago, and they gave. They just gave me tons of that for free. Ah, that was disgusting. It's it, free. Did you ever try Iron Brew 32? No. It was like a energy drink. Right. But I think it must have been like 15 years ago. <clears throat> that was also shit. They used to make Iron... Have you ever had an Iron Brew bar? Yeah, yeah. I don't know where they've gone. Because they changed it to a Wham Brew bar, I'm assuming, for some sort of licensing thing. Back. Brief pause at this moment while we were getting our order sorted. But coming up is Joe talking about working with Grado, David Hasselhoff and Hathaway. You know that guy that sang that tune? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. I thought that was quite mental. Anyway, hope you enjoy the rest. Did you watch Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee? No, I know what it is. Well, and there's it. one, it's with Amy Schumer and Jerry Seinfeld. And that same thing happens where a waitress comes over. But she starts winding, she starts being... You need to watch it. I, I'm like, you're a dick. She, not you. Aye. She's a dick because she starts complaining about her coffee as a joke. But you're like, that person is in a high pressure situation in front of fucking Jerry Seinfeld. Aye. Don't be an I asshole. know. That's. Oh, so that Is that the one? What else? What is she in? Did she not get absolutely hammered recently? She's, she did a film called Trainwrecked. It's quite funny. I don't know what else she's been in. She's one of those people. Where you might think she's an average comedian, I do. She gets slagged a lot more because she's a woman, definitely. Right. Easy a lot of... Have you seen the abuse that I don't even know her name, which sounds quite dismissive and ignorant. But the female football pundit, which one? Um, I think she's like mixed race or black, right? Um, and she keeps getting absolutely slaughtered with people saying. She's um, she's incompetent. She doesn't know what she's talking about. As a fucking Cami and mm. Paul Merson and all that, know what the fuck they are talking about. That, but that's the thing, isn't it? Because people hide behind the fact that they are making a genuine criticism, and that's fair. But if you don't apply that to everyone, like exactly. it happens with, I sort of think Diane Abbott is an atrocious politician. But I know people that talk about her, like Boris Johnson's fucking shit as well. Mm-hmm. And I know people that would talk about her way more. I lived in this flat share in London. And this guy was just, he was obsessed with slagging her off for no reason. To the point where he was like, do you know that her hair is a wig? <laughs> and he was like, did you know black women wear wigs? And I was like, what? I, listen, you obviously haven't got a good judge of my personality if you think that, that I'm going to sit here and fucking slag off hair products. I don't know, if, if you're going to like spit out your food and be like, oh. oh, God, what a fucking cunt that guy was. <sighs> I know you know those people exist, don't it? It happens all the time. Did you I I put a joke up earlier about someone said it wasn't even a joke actually it was quite true it was it was a West Ham player was talking about teams should be docked if their fans are racist which mm-hmm. is fair that's quite a good point point. and I said 
because he was a West Ham player and not to negate what he said about race so I was a West Ham season ticket holder and just the amount of homophobic abuse I would hear all the time I think like it's a massive problem in football mm-hmm. and I said West Ham would be in League 2 if that applied to homophobic abuse and the slagging I got off people and it's people that aren't even West Ham fans you get Spurs fans going you don't even know what you're fucking talking about and I was like good to see <laughs> rival fans uniting over this I hear it all the time yeah. and it was do you know it wasn't even like inventive banter it'd be like when they're playing Brighton there'd just be a guy that stood up in front of me all the time and go go and suck his cock to distract him <laughs> like, that's not funny that's just <laughs> that's weird and like why is that in the forefront of your mind like but that yes people are so outraged that you're calling them out on this I know it's like it's like touching a nerve isn't it when you call somebody out on something that obviously is is an issue that yeah. they, they have or something they do they'll... and even some of the people were doing they started going um, if you ask what does your boyfriend think of it? <laughs> like, oh, could well be gay. Could be the reason why I'm criticising that. I know. That. I know. I know. Like, it's not relevant. I know, but even so, <laughs> actually, funnily enough, now that you ask, he's not too keen on it either. There is, that is a weird thing, isn't it? Because I, I do think there's something in that. I, I know a few like militantly homophobic people who have said things to me that made me think, are you gay? Like, I know someone's really homophobic and they said to me about, they said it, it's a choice because it might seem appealing to want to have sex with a man but you shouldn't do it and I was like well I actually don't think that because I'm not gay but the fact that you do would suggest yeah. it's weird isn't it I, I'm sure there it's are psychological bizarre. studies on it's it it's like um, you've seen American, well, you've seen American Beauty I've seen it once do you, do you remember the neighbour so I remember, I remember I'd say I remember two things from that film the naked woman with rose petals and someone coming on to Kevin Spacey was that aye so yeah, yeah. Kevin Spacey's next door neighbour was like an army general mm-hmm. and he was like outrageously homophobic his language he was, I'm sure he oh and then he tries aye, to kiss him he tries yeah, to kiss yeah. him aye so it's like why it's like nobody's nobody's forcing you yeah, to, yeah. to partake in anything you don't like so does he kill Kevin Spacey in the end doesn't he uh, does he does aye he, I remember there was like a weightlifting accident or someone aye. gets battered with a weight I think aye whatever happens I think he shoots him because he th- thought he was getting with his son, maybe. Right. I can't remember. You know, I met Kevin Spacey. Did we? <laughs> We're saying this for years, right? When You know people acting suddenly shocked about all the Kevin Spacey stuff? Yeah, yeah. Myself included, his, I've got a story on that. His behaviour is an open secret, not even amongst TV people. Like, I know, quote-unquote, civilians. That, mm-hmm. and when I was a student, like, teenagers that were like, Kevin Spacey came on to me and it's one of those when you know the people that are telling the stories don't know each other and you're like I've heard that from person A yeah, yeah. he doesn't know person B and they're telling me the exact same yeah. story I met him he didn't I must say nothing dodgy happened yeah. uh, House of Cards had just come out and I spoke to him about that he did the guy I was with he started rubbing his arm because the guy was like oh I really love this episode it gave me goosebumps and Kevin Spacey was like oh I could feel them like that and we're like alright <laughs> I know loads of other stories about him I, I won't repeat but it's the least shocking thing that's come out really I would say so because I remember seeing Family Guy when like Stewie runs out and he's like oh, I've just escaped from Kevin Spacey's basement Yeah, and it just went over my head I didn't even consider what it was I didn't know he was gay until so basically I watched American Beauty with my pal yeah, um, and then the next day in work, I texted him, 
Because I was like raving about how amazing an actor Kevin Spacey was. True. Next good day, actor. Next day in work, I texted him and I said, mate, honestly, how good was American Beauty? That was incredible. Kevin Spacey's the king. And then he texted me back saying, I take it you've not seen the news. I was like, no, what is it? And it was that day that honestly it broke. And I was like, I can't believe it. I didn't even know he was gay. Like, yeah. I just had no idea. Um, I mean, that was definitely... I, I thought everyone knew that. Like, I, to the I point where when he came out at the end of that, I thought I thought he was openly gay. Yeah. I just assumed. But uh, did you see that mad thing he did recently? Where he, he, I just fucking style a Frank Underwood. Like, yeah, but his lawyer must be like, what are you doing? I did I actually watch it? What was it he says? It, it's like... He says he's going to take people down with him, but he says it as Frank Underwood. But oh, do you, do you think it's like on. an admission of... Oh, he must know loads of stuff about... Oh, I. So I bet there's, there's either people that have condemned him or... I don't know. Yeah. He's just like, oh, that's quite... It shouldn't really revel in people's heartbreak from sexual abuse and stuff, but it's quite interesting. Because yeah. he is going to be... I mean, I'm, I'm not going to tell anything, but I must know about... 30 different stories about really? him yeah as soon as we stop recording man I'm going to need to get you tell them all <laughs> stuff like stuff if you were to repeat it could see you being sued no not that at all it, no no it's just it's because because all these stories involve actors or whatever I it's it's up to other people to tell right okay but, and some of them because I meant I tweeted about this at the time when stuff or before stuff came out and a journalist got in touch. Someone at the BBC was like, "Do you want to go on record?" And I was like, "Well, these these are like second-hand accounts. It's not my mm. responsibility to tell them." And you know, not also you got to be, you, have to, you have to be careful about committing libel. It would seem <laughs> that these are all true. I suppose and so. Um, what by the way, what were we speaking you know, about? But you know what I say? Do you know Rachel Jackson? Have you ever seen her do stand-up? Uh, hold on. I think I do. I don't. You probably won't. I don't know if there's any clips. She's on Twitter, but she's in the state of it. Rachel. She's R underscore Jacks, I think. She's really funny. Yeah, yeah. So she was in Scotland quite a few years ago, and obviously she's in the state of it, and talked talked to her a lot about TV. But she, (laughs) I saw her do stand up last year, and she was talking about. She started talking about Me Too and Harvey Weinstein. But in the end, she starts talking about how she'd be the one chasing him around the room. Trying to get <laughs> but I don't know if anyone in the room Fighting was laughing. I thought it was really funny. That's hilarious. Talking of Scott Squad and people that are in that, who who's more mental, Darren Connell or Grado? Grado. Yeah, Grado. Because Darren, you can... He's like a functioning human. Aye. Grado Obviously, Darren like, goes really dark. <laughs> with, with his humour but Grado's like just switched on and insane all the time he's, he's really smart as well he's like simultaneously mm-hmm. this big oath how did he end up in Scott Squad did you just see him in was ICW so we did the pilot and there's an actor called Grant O'Rourke who's an outlander right so he was going to be the, the traffic cop and he's really good uh, in, a, in a different way to Grado's character but um, he then got the big part in Outlander and they wouldn't let him be in Scott Squad because I think I don't know how it works but you have a schedule and then you can't if you're tied to that production you can't take right, time okay. out so that was a bit annoying because we really wanted to work with Grant and then but Grado had just done a pilot with Robert Florence it was Robert Florence like Robert Florence is really good for like identifying new talent and mm-hmm. then not shutting up about them 
So I think he was going on about Grado to rap Christie at the comedy unit. So I didn't know anything about Grado. He came into audition and we ran through a few scenes together and we were like, well, this, this guy will be really good as a traffic cop. So we cast him that way and I've been friends with him since then. Sort of got on straight away. Um, what did I... I heard someone tell me, though, he said he was scared of me because I think a lot of people kiss his ass or they're always like... I don't know, people are always asking about wrestling stuff. I don't give a fuck about wrestling at all. <laughs> so I don't know whether he's got a need to please. I, I worry because sometimes, I, I, and it's the same I did to Jordan Young. I'm sort of jokingly take the piss out of them, and mm-hmm. I think I might have hurt their feelings <laughs> a little bit. I think I do that with Grado sometimes. And he's at, well, he's in two doors down now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's in that. What was the uh, what was the Alexandra Burke story? Ah, oh, fuck! I was on a train sitting next to next to Alexandra Burke. And I was texting Grado at the time, and he's like, "What are you up to?" And I said, oh, "I'm on the train." He lo- like he's obsessed with celebrities, and he loves a celebrity spot. So you tell him that, he's like, "Fuck!" And then he starts going, "Right, I'm going on Twitter. I'm going to tell her that you're like perving on her on the train." I was like, "Oh no!" It was like a four-hour journey. Did she turn around? Do you know what she got on at press? She fell asleep, so she didn't check her phone, and he, I don't think he did anything in the end. But he knew enough the psychology of my mind Aye. that that would unsettle me. Because he, he likes being the centre of attention and making a story out of that. That as, I do not want to have a conversation. I do not want to have a conversation with Alexandra about just for the sake of it. That'd be amazing if she'd have looked at her phone and then yeah. looked at you, sort of slowly. It, that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. It's like, do you acknowledge it or do you play dumb? Yeah. Well, he said he was going to tweet the <laughs> screenshot of me going, "Guess who's sitting next to?" And I couldn't deny that. I did send it. <laughs> She got on. She just done. She got on at Preston. It was like the night before she'd done Strictly Come Dancing in Blackpool or something. So I was like, "That's Alexandra Burke." And then I was like, "Then I worked out." And then the woman selling a ticket and the coffee woman were going, "Oh, I really liked you last night." So I was like, "Right, That's she's done well on Strictly." She's another one. Although <laughs> I was going to say people irrationally hate her, but then there was that elephant in the room. Do you remember oh, that? Mate, you tweeted me that, didn't you? <laughs> so she, I had to watch that five times. She she's on talking about her single was called Elephant in the Room, and she's claiming that she's the person that brought that phrase over to the UK. <laughs> That's, I'm, I'm, honestly, I kept watching it because I was like, wait a minute, she's yeah. claiming. And then I thought, is she taking the piss? Because who was the woman that asked her? Can you remember? It's the anchor or the the, pre- the presenter? Yeah, is it? It's not Penny Smith. It's like <sighs> Kate Garraway. I think it was Kate yeah, Garraway. Yeah. She says. Oh, so it's pretty much like the phrase elephant in the room and Alexandra Burke goes, well... It's a very American phrase. Yeah. And I actually brought it here and I thought, yeah, what she, the fuck? She, went, she didn't go, I brought it, she went... Um, and I just thought, why not bring? Why not be the first person to bring that over here? I, I was watching it and I was like, yeah, man, I need to watch that again. Because I thought, is she being deliberately sort of taking the piss back? No. no, she's very much serious. It's like claiming you brought over the phrase it's raining cats and dogs. Fucking and, like hell. nobody else has ever heard that. But you can tell, can't you? I can tell that they know that she's just said something really stupid. I think uh, there's like a look <laughs> or a reaction like Are you being serious. That's like um remember that vine that was going about in the uh, the little mix girls <laughs> yes. the last, but and, and they say say something in like a Jamaican accent and she goes black me like yeah, that's yeah, noise. Yeah. So I remember seeing that for the first time and like being in tears of laughter, but it turns out that that is a Jamaican. it's a real thing that I Jamaican s- women say or something. The way, I think it's the way that we would say, um, like a moment to pause, mm-hmm. they say this mad noise. 
So she actually got the piss ripped out of her years when she, in fact, yeah. Apparently, she, she right. got she started getting re- she was getting annoyed by being asked about it. I'm trying to think of something like that. If I know anyone where they just don't like being asked, the, I know Craig David doesn't like being asked about by selector. <laughs> no wonder. Do you know what annoys me about that? Every time, so he's he's been on this like comeback thing now for like four years, hasn't yeah, he? I, I saw him actually in Barcelona in a club, and he was amazing. Yeah, I reckon it'd be fun. He's He's meant to be a really nice guy. Well. Courtesy Lorraine Kelly, that info. Was Craig David's a really nice guy. How, how did that come up, like Lorraine? Before oh we no, started? I think she, she just she's always tweeting. Every time Craig David tweets something, she's like, "Love this guy, really? he's a great guy." So I, I trust her judgment. Oh fuck, that's what happened. I was at Wimbledon. I was on centre court, not on centre court. I was watching Andy <laughs> <Mario> at centre <laughs> court. And my mate went, "You can only go to the toilet, and there's a break in play." So he went, and he got stuck outside. But it went for like two sets, and I was like, where's he gone? And he came back and went, oh my God, you'll never guess who was in the toilet and I was chatting to. And it was Craig David. Now, do you know what? That overshadowed the rest of And it was a year Andy Murray won, but it overshadowed the game that I wasn't in the toilet with Craig David <laughs> having a chat. Is that 2008? No, that was, no, that was 2016. Because Andy I Murray won in 2016. Nadal won it, I'm sure. Right. Aye, 2016. No, this is Murray. It wasn't. I didn't see him at the final, but I saw him on set, centre court, en route to the final, like second round or mm-hmm. something. And that was. A, That's funny. That usually, Wimbledon's great for walking around and just seeing celebrities. Like Ian McKellen was just sitting next to me on a bench having a fag. That's metal. And it's one of those. It's quite good for everyone's just mixing together. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to. I don't want to be the person to go up and go. All right, Gandalf, can I have a photo? <laughs> but Aye. that feels cooler. I think that feels better is when Actually, you see someone like that and you don't. You're just like Aye. we're we're having a drink together. I'm trying to think. I'm sure I did that with someone recently. Oh, that makes me that uh, remember now. Remember I, when uh, my cousin met Nicholas Cage in British Airways airport? Oh fuck yeah! Do you want to tell that how we almost got it in the papers that he was a fan of Scott? Squad? What did we do? Did you you put the photo up and I said ask? Ask your cousin to ask him about Scott Squad. And I said jokingly, oh, he said it's his favourite show. That was it, yeah. And someone from a tabloid newspaper messaged you saying, is this true? Is that true? And I, and again, I was like, well, it could be. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it is. That would have been good. Do you know the that. best way to plant those stories is big newspapers steal the story. Is your mattress making noises it never used to? Or is it sagging? causing you to then it's time to get a new one get the best sleep at the best value with a nectar mattress prices start at just 499 dollars and you get 399 dollars in accessories thrown in a 365 night home trial and a forever warranty go to nectarsleep.com stories from smaller ones Mm -hmm. so if you get a story in something like the greenick telegraph something like that it's more likely to get picked up mm-hmm. than if you just feed the story to the sun but uh, I mean it's plausible there was that Wesley Snipes because that was at the evening time said Wesley Snipes wanted to be in Scott Squad the uh, next thing it's like national news <laughs> how did that even come about I reckon it was someone like Darren Connell said I love Wesley Snipes and Wesley Snipes was like yeah like good to hear or something he was like going to be in Scott Squad and he was like watch this space <laughs> CM Punk I'm sure that happened like CM Punk said something to me mm. I don't even know who CM Punk was oh, he's a wrestler isn't he aye but quite famous ah, it's going to drive me nuts now whatever it was he said 
He replied to something that I, I, I had said, and I'm sure a newspaper picked it up. This is a pointless story, so I can't remember what it was now, but it's, they must just troll like Twitter for their stories. Yeah, I've so had many a, times you see a viral tweet and then the next day it's in the paper. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've had a few like that, and it's, it's funny. My girlfriend's, like re- my girlfriend's really good for not feeding my ego. So when something like that happens, she's like, these people are fucking idiots for putting that in the paper. Uh, I said, there was one I put... Um, what did I say? David Hasselhoff was in the panto with uh, the Crankies. And I said... and, and, and Mich- So it's David Hasselhoff, Michelle McManus, and the Crankies in panto at the SECC. And I tweeted something about, I've worked with two-thirds of them. Love to work with the Crankies. And then the Sun would like... Exclusive Scott Squad creator, re- like desperate to work with the cranky. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just something I just said. You worked with David Hasselhoff and Hoff the Record. Is that what it's called? Hoff the Record? Yeah, I worked, so I was a storyliner and assistant producer on that. There were two series of that. Um, I've not even watched the second one. I watched I watched it on, uh, and I think I told you about this, <clears throat> on a flight. On an aeroplane. Yeah, flight right. to Hong Kong from. On a British Airways plane. It was on that. And I'm sure your name was in there. Yeah, my name's at the end of them. Aye. That won an Emmy. Did it? Yeah. So so what was the concept? Is it like a mockumentary? Yeah, so this this isn't a show I came up with. It was... I'd worked in the first series of Scott Squad and then this production company were making a mockumentary with David Hasselhoff and they showed me something, some footage they put together and I, I quite liked it. So I wanted to work on it. So it's basically it's him playing himself and there's all these weird scenarios it's interesting because it won an Emmy they made two series so it, and it was on Dave so it's like reasonably successful yeah. but it's not something I like I watch Scott Squad and I really arrogantly would be like that's a good show mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily feel that way about that but I, I quite liked the Hoff David himself he's a nice guy do you know he's, have you, did you see him in the paper last week what was he doing about legally wanting to change his name. To what? <laughs> to the Hoff? <laughs> to da- just to David Hoff. He said he can't be bothered with a hassle. <laughs> Fuck off. Is that a joke? Of course. Like, yeah, but that's also up. the sort of thing that he would... Hear you say as a joke and then repeat yeah. as a fact. Yeah. He's, intre- he's not like... Yeah, I mean, he's he is insane. But he's actually quite nice. I think a lot of people would expect to mm-hmm. be diva-ish. But it's completely like spending time with him is completely surreal. There was a situation where we were, we were doing rehearsals in London, central London, and they were having a production meeting at lunchtime. And basically, it was like, I, you can't just send him off to go and get a sandwich on his own. So they were, I was like, I was like the least important senior person in that situation. So they're like, Joe. You just take David to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so you and David Hasselhoff went for lunch. two one. days in a row. So the first time, and we're in London, there's loads of like touristy restaurants in central London. So we went somewhere that had a fixed pizza menu. It was like twelve ninety five for a pizza and a salad. So we just went, we hopped in there. And that was a bad idea because the waiters all wanted photos. A waiter came up to me, right? And he's sitting as close, to, David Hasselhoff is sitting as close to me now as you are. And the waiter came up to me and went... Is he also on your knee? 
almost. <laughs> and the waiter said to me, he went, uh, is your friend a famous actor called David Hasselhoff? And I was like, number one, he can hear you. <laughs> number two, obviously, yeah, no, 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 no concealing him. Is it David Hasselhoff? It might just be... So he was being really nice, but there was a point where he was like, guys, can you get my food? And then we'll do photos and that afterwards. So then the next day we, we found somewhere, and it was like a booth, and we... It was funny because I make a small talk with him. He was so weird. He was what was he saying? He said he was like, "Joe, you remind me of my daughter." So I was like, "All right." And then without a pause for breath, he went, "She's a plus size model." <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking? He was like, "You should meet my daughter. She's a plus size model." I was like, All right. I mean, she, you know, she is very attractive. But I, I was like, "Are you trying to set us up, or yeah. <laughs> what's going on?" What is the deal here? Do you, do you ever keep in touch with him? Do you hear from him? No, it, his assistant's his nephew. I'm friends with him on Facebook, and he's a nice guy. Um, do you know one mad thing we did? You ever been to Pamplona? Uh, no. I've been there with did you David Hasselhoff. of the bill? No, we wanted... He was doing... There's a race course there, and he was doing... He does these things in the summer. It's like David Hasselhoff's like nostalgic 80s and 90s pop nights. Right, okay. So they do like Formula 2 racing or horse racing or something like that. And then they'll do a concert, and it'll be like the Venga Boys, David Hasselhoff, Samantha Fox, Hadaway. Remember the guy that sang yes, What Is Love? Watch it, mate. So we, this, we went. It was like my boss day. lost his passport or something. One of my bosses lost his passport, so I had to go with the other boss to have a meeting with David Hasselhoff. And it was so. This is the first time I met him. It was so weird. And I remember we were, we were going on the on route to the venue, and I'm in the back of this people carrier with sandwich between David Hasselhoff and Hadaway. <laughs> Hadaway's talking, to, Hadaway's talking to David Hasselhoff about apparently he do, he's done like he's had offers to do gigs for dictators in third world countries <laughs> and he was saying something like he was like I don't you know Kim Jong-un wants Hadaway to perform I'll, I'll do it <laughs> gotta make money somehow I was like what the fuck is going on what is happening here and he gave me his number as well he was like you want to chat you want to do some other business let me know and I Again, Hadaway, not really nice guy, but his life ever feel like you've taken acid? Yeah, all the time. That's the, there. That was mad. Did you see? I was in the. <laughs> so when they promoted off the record, they had a premiere, and they got a photo of David Hasselhoff and his. I think it's his wife now, but I'm in this sh- shot between them. Yeah. And I'm staring straight at the camera. I remember the moment that was taken. I was like, I better not be in the paper, and it was in the fucking Daily Mail. <laughs> that was funny. So I haven't seen him since. Is that the most surreal thing? Or is that just one of a complete collection? No, there's loads. Of, I always remember, and I tweet about them. Anytime I tweet about meeting a celebrity, that's real. Because uh, I've been tweeting recently about the famous didgeridooist and paedophile, Rolf Harris. <laughs> I've met him twice. <laughs> what, in, what, in a working capacity? I've, I've started finding that funny, introducing him as the didgeridooist and uh, paedophile. Yeah, I, I, like that's his, so I met him twice, right? <laughs> I met him, I was ten years old. I know this this story's not going where you think it is. <laughs> I was ten and you know Morecambe and Wise is Ernie Wise lived in Slough where I'm from and it was his funeral near and do you know what I mean when you're bored in the summer and you've got nothing to do mm-hmm. my mum's like let's go see some celebrities because they had like it was set up for the public to attend this funeral of this yeah. celebrity I didn't know who Ernie Wise was but I went I knew who Rolf Harris was and at the end I went up to Rolf Harris at the funeral I was like can I have an autograph <laughs> And he was like, that's a really disrespectful thing to ask at a funeral. I was 10 years old. Did they? I see. And they were like, also, I think Ernie Wise is quite old. 
you know what I mean? There were loads of celebrities there, and yeah. they were in a jovial mood. Uh-huh. But he was the one that took a moral stand that, like, don't talk to a celebrity at a funeral. Yeah. Which, do you know what? Fair enough. Again, right? Coming from anyone else. <laughs> exactly. Coming from a child sex offender. I know, I was going to say. Where's his moral line? If, I know, if anything, you'd think he would be the one that would be most receptive to you. Exactly. And then I met him again. Um, I worked at the Odeon Cinema in Maidenhead. That's is my favourite. Uh, in Theresa May's constituency. And so there's loads of like, it's like the Windsor and Maidenhead, I think, or it was at the time, is like the richest borough in the UK. It's full of, I, and mm-hmm. I didn't live there, I lived in Slough, the commute to work. Uh, and he came in to see the Disney children's film Meet the Robinsons with his wife I don't know whether he came with grandchildren or something Wait, who? Rolf Harris Wait, you started to play, okay. yeah, so Rolf Harris and his wife came to see a kids film and, it, and she had a walking stick or something so it's one of those lifts where you've got to get a key and operate it <laughs> so I took them into the lift and I was making small talk with him and I remember him not being very receptive I was like oh, that's quite a good film isn't it because he's an artist and it's yeah. an animated film so yeah. I tried to talk about animation he was just like yeah he was just giving me the brush off again what a fucking arsehole I'm sure he'd love to have someone approach him now that, that didn't bring up the obvious that kind of puts me in kind of unrelated but in a similar theme did you not uh, want to talk about Theresa May yes I want you yeah, to tell yeah. that one um, but just while we're talking about Rolf Harris and sex offenders and stuff I've been dying to tell people this story for ages right. so my big mate Sean he's like 6 foot 3 yeah. He is massive, he's bald, he looks really mean, he's not, but he just looks like a real tough guy, Right. if you don't know him. And he took his wife and his four-year-old son to Disneyland right. last year. <laughs> so basically, this is this is a shame, but this wee boy shot himself. So <laughs> this, is, this is going somewhere, he shot himself, so he had to... Sorry, Lucas, if you hear this when you're older. So he how old, had to, how old's the boy? Four. That's alright, he, he won't be <laughs> no, yeah, He's yeah. not like 17. So he's four. He's yeah, his friends aren't going to be listening. Yeah, no. So he's four. So basically, when this has happened, Sean is in the queue with him to get him Minnie Mouse's autograph. Right. right. So his wife's had to take Lucas to the toilet to take on a few terrible. I'll bleep their names out. Um, and so Sean's like, I'll come with you. And he said, No. Just wait here because we're so deep into the queue to get Minnie Mouse's autograph yeah, yeah. that you may as well start to wait. So it's like 32 degrees during the summer, it's sunny. Sweat pouring off his head, six foot three, or whatever height he is, standing waiting in the queue. And then all the parents around soon realised that he wasn't with any kids. <laughs> oh no. So he's like standing, he said at first people are just looking at him like smiling, and then eventually he's like saying, On you go, I'm just going to wait here, and like security are looking at him. Um, so anytime anybody talks about paedophiles and sex offenders that's, him. that's the story that comes to my mind what's the uh, the Theresa May story well t- so Theresa May was the MP at Maidenhead in Maidenhead and uh, I worked at the cinema the, right so full disclosure <laughs> every time I tell a story about someone coming in and getting a Tango Ice Blast which we sold uh, and I say it's Theresa May <laughs> Th- those stories happened but not with Theresa May like, right, okay. because this was 2007 2008 so she was she wasn't in government so I wouldn't have recognised yeah, her yeah. but she definitely came in do you know what I mean like yeah, I worked yeah, yeah. there enough and long enough because people would always get like Princess Beatrice came in Steve Redgrave just all these fucking random like <laughs> literal princesses and like do you know what I mean like, sort of upper class yeah. icons um, 
I did meet Gordon Brown though. I worked for so when I was at uni, I did an internship with the Labour Party, and I used. I think at some point in my life, I thought I'd get. In, I was interested in politics, so I did an internship with Labour. And I, I tell you what, do you know what? Do you know what made me lose my interest in politics? Is doing that internship really? and meeting the sort of people that are trying to be. You know, on a course to be politicians, mm-hmm. they're all fucking idiots. There's something missing in their head, like psychopaths. Yeah, it was really, I mean, it was really interesting. I, I don't regret doing that. It was really interesting. But I, so I met, I was doing an internship for a woman. She's now an MP. I never met her. I worked in her office. I never met her. I met Gordon Brown. Like mm-hmm. she never showed up, That's but he weird. did, and um, and Ken Livingston. But I got told to go to this campaign event and to sit on this table, and. Uh, and then suddenly I'm like, there's an app, there's like police here, what's going on? And Gordon Brown comes in and sits at the table. No way. There's, I'll find it, there's a photo of it somewhere. Was he Prime Minister at the time? Yeah. And he had a cup of tea on the table. I was like, I could have fucking put anything in that I cup of tea. Not that I have any need to assassinate the Prime Minister. I um, I was at a, an event for Mary's Meals, you know, the charity. Yeah. And uh, Gordon Brown was speaking at it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've asked me before, I'd say... I'm absolutely not a fan of him at all. Um, but when he spoke, I remember being like, fucking hell, because yeah, he's really yeah. impressive the way he spoke, which it doesn't come across on TV. That's what I thought, that's what really annoyed me, right? So you'd, he'd come on the back, you had Tony Blair, who was like this slick guy, and yeah. you had Gordon Brown, and he was getting slagged off, not to defend him now, I, I wouldn't vote for him, but mm. he was getting slagged off for, what was it, like pretending he liked the Arctic Monkeys thing. And actually, do you know what? He might have, like, yeah. like they're the most popular band in Britain. I know. But... Yeah, like you said, he's charismatic, he's friendly, and he's mm. a good public speaker. And whether he whether he wasn't shown in a fair light or what on TV, yeah, I would. It's I would really interesting. So. I was really blown away actually because I, I I don't recall many times being overly impressed yeah. by anybody speaking like publicly. But I remember just sitting there and thinking, wow, he's really really impressive. And and then, another thing was with they because they were people making out he's like fat. Not that it matters if he is really, but when they talk about his appearance, and he's actually like he's my height, he's he's really tall, and he's like a stocky sort of ex rugby player. Yeah, yeah. He's, I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but I mean they hated him. I know. He's one of those people. It's in the context of if you're voting for someone in England, I you know I'd vote for him. But then when you bring Scottish politics into it, and that there's. Labour then represents something totally different. Do you know what I mean? Uh, if, it's mean a, if, if I live in London, it's a choice between a Tory MP and a Labour MP. I'm going to vote Labour. Yeah. Up here, there's, it's a whole different equation of independence. Oh, and I totally agree. You know, what's on the table and, and the context of the I think political it, landscape. Uh, it'd be quite hard to argue against the point that how do you really differentiate between? There'll be people that will hear this and they'll be screaming at the speaker or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. I think how can you really differentiate between Tories and Labour when they stood shoulder to shoulder? And this is neither. Um, a promotion or you know an opposition to independence but if you've got red and blue standing sh- yeah, shoulder yeah. to shoulder saying we're in it together I think wait a fucking minute like what's going on here but he got I, I reckon he got shafted in that because I you know he put forward all these proposals about what would happen if you if people voted to stay in the UK like devolution I think and... he I got the impression that he had been convinced that that was going to happen yeah. and apparently there's, there's books written about it he was naive because as soon as they won the referendum, I think David Cameron turned around and was like, The fucking Fuck next you. day? Yeah. The next day he said, now it's time for England's voice to be heard. I remember thinking, like, this is like um, Back to the Future when Biff yeah. Cannon gets in charge and he's like... <laughs> yeah. It's just like this fucking messed up... 
because apparently then Gordon Gordon Brown was phoning David Cameron going like you're making a massive mistake yeah. with this the Daily Record actually ra- ran like an editorial the other day mm-hmm. saying that some of these agreements were finally being pushed and they had like a rebuttal to both yes and no voters saying yes voters if you say this isn't going to happen yeah, it's yeah. a lot of shit or that we caused the referendum to swing one way they said well mm-hmm. look these powers have actually come and then no voters I can't remember what their response to them was um, just eat just eat your cereal uh, just, that. just eat your cereal <laughs> and shut the fuck up I remember watching that and being like brilliant like, this is fuck? it you're like this is it we're, going, we're getting independence but there's no way that actress lives in Scotland like I don't know no. who she is and there's no I just don't think anyone would do that it was so <laughs> insulting wasn't it like it was I don't know why I was surprised by it I think looking back I can remember saying at the time that if, if any positive came out of it it would be that if we did become independent at that time the country would have been split straight down the middle yeah, so yeah. Let, let's say things probably financially might have ended up not as great as we uh, we could have hoped in the event of a yes vote. I remember thinking, okay, it's not happened now, but we've got Tories and Brexit to come, mm-hmm. and I think that's starting to highlight a lot of cracks that were papered over, or a lot of lies that were told, and I think people are starting to kind of open their eyes a wee bit to the realities of the situation. Yeah. So I think if there was to be a, another vote in, in light of Brexit, it would be a Complete, I fucking hate that word Brexit. It's I'm such sick a of hearing tabloid it. term. <laughs> I can't um, believe that's actually caught on as an official I know, term. I know, as an official term. I remember seeing it and going, that's annoying. That's like when um, the son called, like, instead of just saying comedian, they say funny man. Instead of restaurant, they say eatery. Because they always say they say things like Darren Connell is friends with funny man Kevin Bridges. Guys, like, why not just who the fuck like who's ever said in their life, what are you doing tonight? I'm going to see this funny man. He's doing a show. Like, do you mean a comedian? Like, who's ever said the word no, eatery? No, I'm obviously a funny man. I'm bungling, bungling counsel. Do you, do, you, do you edit this down? Because I realise we've, <laughs> we've not spoken about comedy at all. Know, it's fuck. good. It's a good conversation. I'll edit it right. Um, <laughs> comedy, so do you like that? No, I'm joking. Um, I do. What I would like to know, you, you said um, when we were talking about the traineeship, you said a six-month contract yeah. is a really long... Yeah. What is, what is the kind of... What is the makeup of that landscape? Like working in that profession, would you just go from job to job? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I I don't have a typical experience in TV because Scott's what happened so early in my career, and I'm now sort of tied to that success mm-hmm. and that you know if it keeps on going. So it, yeah, it's not typical. I know lots of people become runners and they work their way up and they do little gigs, mm-hmm. and you, you're just constantly trying to get work. I mean, it is... This is... What have I been doing? We finished making the last series and I just carried on working for the comedy unit because they had a pipeline of work coming. I'm actually directing something tomorrow. Um, Normally, after making a series of Scott Squad, I'll go back to London and I'll just wait to see what comes up and Mm -hmm. I'll take a little break. But I've been working non-stop since then. Um, But yeah, it is... Psychologically, it's... Do you know what's really difficult is having so I'm working at the moment so I have a little bit of money and that's nice but I have no time in which to do anything mm-hmm. uh, but then the second I'm not working I'm then worried about when I'm next going to work because yeah. I'm not going to go and do anything so Can yeah it is a it is a mad lifestyle but then the flip side of that is it's really nice not being tied down for something for too long yeah. it's good having that variety in your work do you find because that's one thing it could go either way either people could 
say it detracts from the enjoyment because they're constantly worrying about the future. Yeah. Do you think it keeps you on your toes? Or like how how do you see that that uncertainty? Uh, I sort of can't to terms with it now. I, I'm, I'm relaxed now. I think it's just about successful enough that I won't be unemployed for long, which is good. Um, I don't know. I don't. I'm not really thinking about it until now. Mm. I suppose. It's it's hard to know when you're actually working. It's hard to remember what it's like not working. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, I mean, the longevity that Scott Squad had has had or yeah. is currently having is quite unusual. And I would say in this day and age, I can't remember many comedy shows just constantly being commissioned for another series. Well, because I, I thought, well, you make one series, and then you're like, I definitely want to make another, and then we make a third. Now we're, we've just made a fifth, and we're talking about. I don't know if we'll do a sixth. That's not that's not being discussed at any point. Mm-hmm. But I've thought up ideas, and it's but we, we're talking. We, we started now at the comedy, and you just mentioned, you know, when you plan when they're planning the year, we've gone. Oh well, we might be doing Scott Squad if the BBC commission it, and that mm-hmm. that's mad because, like you said, that's a sixth series. And I don't know how many still game made in their first run. They made six, but it's still fit to me, and I think because it's only been on once and it's not been repeated, it. it may as well be a new thing there are still people discovering it which is really nice we're sort of simultaneously on that being like a veteran show but also being quite new because a lot of people don't know what it is I love how there are people who think it's real oh yeah all the time that happens it's By the way, really funny this is no word of a lie complete fact I'm not trying to be funny or anything before uh, I came up here to the Blyswood I was in Costa on Sucky yeah. Hall Street and I was just doing my wee bit of research searching stuff about Scott Squad for a wee bit of facts or anything and there was somebody beside me who basically just started chatting to me Yeah. and then said what are you doing on your laptop and then looked and went oh Scott Squad I watched that that's that documentary about the police oh, and no. I didn't have the heart to be like no it's a comedy so I just was like alright do you like it and Fuck. she's going yeah it's a bit mad like at times but it's it could be the the thing is, and the landscape, the the broadcasting landscape has changed because it's been on, been going for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. When we were originally taking the piss out of a documentary, it was one thing, and now the style of documentaries has changed so much that, like documentaries now, are always trying to find comedy. Mm-hmm. Do you know? It's all about these yeah, like yeah. bubbly characters, so it's believable that you yeah. have a character like Grado as a real policeman. Was it? I never watched it. I saw little bits of it. Is it like the call center? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that sort of thing where they found the big character in he's the office. Very, he's a, almost David Brent like, was yeah. the guy. So, yeah, so what we're taking the piss out of now has changed. And I think probably, I haven't actually watched the old series in a long time, but I think if we watched them, they would feel completely different to what we've made now mm-hmm. just because of, of what documentaries are like now. But yeah, it, so it's, I, I can I actually understand someone watching it and, uh, thinking it's real but that's actually the most flattering thing because we a lot of mockumentaries break the rules of documentaries and we try and stick really rigidly to what a real documentary mm-hmm. would show and we've occasionally broken it but it, it's uh, I think that's a, that's a compliment that some yeah, think it's real so. where did the idea come from because you've seen you pitched it yeah so I, I do you know what? I can't remember any sort of light bulb moment because, and there are things that have existed that are like it before but what I remember was I was really into Kirby Enthusiasm mm-hmm. and I think it's my brother bought me this book and it was a, it was all the scripts so they have this way of working where they outline the story and they improvise around that and it creates natural dialogue and I'm a big fan of that show and I, I was like 
really want to make something like that. I think that's how you avoid coming up with cliche dialogue is just letting good actors find their way around a story. So there was that, and then I was really into Road Wars. Have you watched it? Oh, I love Road Wars. Actually, there was just thinking as you were talking there. Well, that's Road Wars. loads of it's filmed. I don't know if it is now, but years ago it's filmed in Slough. So I had that extra. I was watching it, and I'd watch it, and there'd be people I vaguely know, and that was interesting. So there was. I was like, doing a spoof of that would be good doing this improv thing would be good mm-hmm. and then somehow in my head those two ideas became the same so Gavin Smith who was the head of development at the comedy unit he's now in charge of comedy at BBC Scotland but he was my boss and so you just constantly try and come up with new ideas and I think we'd have a meeting once a week and I remember this is probably my third week or something of working at the comedy unit I went in and had a meeting with him and we had maybe six or seven ideas but there was that one I explained it to him. I can't remember exactly how it happened, but I explained enough of it to him that he, I remember he sort of lit up and was like, that's a really good idea. And from there, we got some money internally from the company and we made a taster tape. So it's not a pilot, but you, you make enough of a video that you can show the people that have got the money and they can get an idea for it. Yeah. yeah. So we did that. Some of the cast were in that. Some of them weren't. Like Darren wasn't in that. But we did that. BBC let us make a pilot so a year later we're making it for real uh, and then yeah then it took ages to go from the pilot to the series there's like two years passed before the BBC made the decision that was the worst that was the worst part of my of that time there we go that's always something that's the bullshit alarm <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pause it on that right second time lucky yeah so um, the gap between the pilot so the gap we made the pilot in 2011 they didn't show it till 2012 and actually it got delayed by two weeks because the day it was going out a policeman went into the police station and shot himself (laughs) do you remember do you remember that and the one that you were filming in no no it just so happened it's one of those things where like we've made one joke in the show about a shooting Ah, and a policeman's actually shot himself so they delay it I don't even remember that so it was like I've been waiting a year for this to get on air (laughs) this happens you're like oh no and you can't complain like that's really tragic so they they then took another two weeks or a month to put it out so that's 2012 we never made the series until 2014 it took ages I remember thinking I remember like being so convinced of the quality of it Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking surely they're gonna give us a series but it took so long; it really dragged it out. It was, that was torture because you, you're telling people. Obviously, I have no track record at that point. Like mm-hmm. no one's ever seen anything I've ever made, and I'm telling people, I'm like, oh, I've made something; it's going to be on TV, and they're like, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's not. And I have like aunts going, oh, it's such a shame they've, they're not making your TV series. Like that. And they will, uh-huh. they will. They just took ages. That doesn't seem to happen now. Like this new channel, this new BBC Scotland channel starting. There's a lot more activity. And things are getting made really quickly. Mm-hmm. I came back from a holiday uh, when Monday I was back, and uh, we're filming something this week. I'm directing something tomorrow. That's happened. That's a really fast turnaround. So that's really good. Is that who's? What's that? Uh, I can't say what it is, but it, it's just like a brand new comedy with hey, like some to performers. See who it's with. Is that top secret? That's top secret. It's two female performers no one I've mentioned so far um, but uh, yeah that's fun I'm not really into I've never want. I've never tried to direct but out of necessity mm-hmm. I've ended up doing that I feel like I should probably be spending tonight like reading a 
doing a tutorial online or something. <laughs> you it's, I get the perf- I get the performance like dealing with performers in the state of it. Uh, so Noddy Davidson, he directs Scott Squad. Mm. He directed the state of it, the studio bits. But the there are little videos and shorts in it that I directed. The thing with Pity Party with Paul Black and Mark Black, yeah, I directed yeah. that. I did our bit, the, Lincoln yeah. Lawn. You were the guy that Paul offers Ashley's Yeah, jacket. yeah, that's me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah directing myself into a scene. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's one thing that's changed at the BBC. I think things are happening a lot quicker, which is good. It's, it's horrible to wait around. And, yeah. And I have to feel like with Scott Squad, like the actors are in it are going... Because obviously my whole year, almost my whole year is Scott Squad, from like the writing to giving notes at the editing. I do the voiceover at the very end. That takes mm-hmm. up, it's like nine months, it takes ages. And the actors come in for a few days. So I realise they're sitting around waiting to know. I know it's torture for them. Yeah. So they have my sympathies. See, I didn't know you, when Scott Squad, the pilot, like that first episode came out, yeah. I didn't know you then, but I knew Darren. Right. Obviously, and Darren Connell, and Bobby, aka Bobby Muir. Um, I remember it's kind of the same I remember him talking about it and being like no I've done this show yeah, and it yeah. will be out well Darren had so Darren auditioned right he, he's been on here I know he's explained it but say it again briefly Darren did one audition for me and I think it was Gavin Smith uh, who's now in charge of comedy at BBC Scotland uh, and then we invited him back to a workshop I, I want to point a floor in Darren's story he said when he did the workshop there were 50 actors mm-hmm. there were 12 <laughs> he's misremembered that in his yeah, head there were 12 actors yeah. because um, we'd never do more than that but uh, yeah Darren had a wait of like 6 months before he knew and at that point I knew he was going to be in it but I wasn't mm-hmm. allowed to tell him it's the work cause, and for good reason like you'd worry that you would tell someone they're in it and then it doesn't happen Yeah, yeah. and he's told me he was like that was horrible waiting to find out but yeah. obviously you know how funny Darren is like as soon as he did it I remember we had two sessions morning and afternoon workshops and Darren did the morning and then the creative team we went to Nando's and I remember going Darren will be in it won't he and they were like why are you even asking like that's yeah, yeah. not a question he's clearly really funny yeah. so that was really good because we weren't I don't think we intended to have a character like Bobby in it that's created for Darren uh-huh. so we're looking for police characters and then we're like he's so good that we have to find a way of bringing him back in every week. He'll probably love to hear that because um, I remember him saying as well, like that uncertainty yeah. and not knowing. I, I remember thinking, like, oh, well, if it was me, I would have you straight in there. And you guys obviously weren't any different to that. Um, Scott Squad also then one year after. Yep. I see you've got it with you. Do you take it everywhere? Yeah, I've got it here, <laughs> ready to yeah, batter so people with it. That's his bath towel on the table. And that's just me doing it lightly, but, you know, if you're a certain racist and you get that to the face. <laughs> just led me, I was literally about to ask, so you threatened to smash your, was it you said you were going I to didn't, smash something? I didn't, I did not threaten to, I did not threaten Sorry. to hit Tommy Robinson with a BAFTA so hard that it left a BAFTA Scotland imprint on his head. <laughs> I made a joke about that. Do you know what's funny? Do you remember that guy Count Dankula, the guy that yes. did the Nazi thing? Mm-hmm. They had the Nazi dog, and it was Tommy Robinson that was supporting him then. Yeah. The idea was jokes of context, and mm-hmm. you can't just say someone's a Nazi. They're yeah. just making a joke about being a Nazi, which is almost a fair point if you're not a mad racist. Yeah. Normally, like, mm-hmm. that guy's a UKIP supporter. Yeah. But that's Tommy Robinson's point, right? When it suits him, when I do it, oh, you're being really uh, violent yeah. now. Uh, no. like, and you're sitting here talking to me, there's not... You, there's no I'm not the sort of person that goes around hitting people with heavy objects and if you follow me on Twitter you know you understand the context of that but 
it was ex- politically expedient for him to make it look like I was threatening him online yeah. and he knows full well what he did and actually I don't mind like I mentioned him he has every he actually has I think he has every right to say whatever he wants about me that's fine but where it becomes manipulative is he he posts it without context mm-hmm. the amount of abuse that came my way and I I find some of it funny because the people that are doing it are so fucking stupid it, like it, it's really funny yeah, it can't be. it's really funny to to engage with people that are so thick and being so nasty that it allows you to take the piss out of how stupid they are but yeah he's a bully because he did he he did that to me he reposted it then a day later some woman online it was like some single mother from a working class town said she's like I'd love five minutes with him to give him a piece of my mind or whatever <laughs> he like posted uh, screenshots from her Twitter and Facebook like six or seven times by eight in the morning and then all those comments become really sexist now when I do it it's kind of funny it is a little bit of publicity and it's comedy content but just like picking on someone's mum what a fucking arsehole an arsehole indeed I've decided to cut it there so that for the start of part two we can just go into the next half um, on a kind of fresh note So I hope you enjoyed it. Keep your eyes peeled. It'll be released in the next few days. Cheers. Let us remember that Bob Hillard was the church of Ireland.